Welcome back. My name's Ron Kelly, and my guest is Vicki Griffin, and today we're talking about trust and how it affects us, and we're starting to discover that not only is this a benefit that grows out of helpful relationships with each other, but it also relates and finds its foundation in a great relationship with God. Well, you are so right, Pastor Kelly, and really, we have learned through experience and through ministry that the ability to trust in a broken, torn world comes from God. And it's really his character that shows us how to forgive and reestablish trust when it's been broken. So trust comes from receiving forgiveness and love from God and learning how to forgive and love ourselves, forgive and love others. And as a counselor, you have seen this in practice over and over again. It's a beautiful thing to have the ability to have a new beginning, to start fresh, to start clean, to know you're not rejected. Yes, and it's wonderful to know that there is such a big difference between mercy and sympathy. So sympathy we feel for someone or with someone, but mercy has power. When God shows us mercy, that means he's got power. So that means he's giving me something that I don't deserve, and he's keeping something from me that I do deserve. That's mercy. And And he calls us to show that kind of mercy to others. And again, let's not mistake this for abuse. Let's not mistake it for an unwise, unhealthy vulnerability. But mercy is power. And this mindset produces an internal joy that is not dependent on things or people or circumstances. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, this joy is really something that builds out of a growing confidence in this steadiness in the very person of God that lets us ride through the rough times. Well, it's certainly not giddy sentimentalism, and there's plenty to be upset about every single day. But I think of the words about Christ where it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So our faith is not grounded in a bubble where we get everything we want and everything is easy, but it's grounded in hope that God has the power, he has the promises, and he has a plan, both when things are good and in sorrow and in sadness. Yes, and knowing that he loves us so much is the foundation of that hope. And what I'm finding over time is that the worst times of my life is when he's developing inner strength. And I've had to confront this in my own life that, you know, you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. And God is really calling us to start to grow and mature in his strength exchanging our wishbone for backbone. Well, you know, God's calling us into a relationship where we don't have to be worried all the time. As a matter of fact, having confidence in Him, we can make our requests known to God. We're not supposed to be anxious about anything. We have the privilege of being children with a faithful Father. Well, the Bible tells us it is so true what you're saying. It says, in nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this kind of anxiety that he's calling us away from really has not very much to do with feeling. I'm sure that when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, his heart was beating fast. When Esther stood before the king, she said, if I perish, I perish. The Bible says, David, the psalmist said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So we tend to be anxious about everything, even though we're instructed to be anxious about nothing. So Elizabeth Elliot, whose missionary husband was murdered, in the mission field, describes how anxiety and faith are put to the test when someone is gravely ill that I love, something I want has been denied, something I have worked hard for has failed, something I prized is lost. And 
I think about this clash of faith and feelings in the words of David when he cries to God and he says, I will pray to the God of my life. Why have you forsaken me? He's very open with God. Uh, Yes. He has this confidence to actually be able to approach him in confidence, even with his complaints. Don't you love the song that says, in seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. In every measure of anxiety, in every trial, in every circumstance, there's a measure of temptation. We're tempted to give up. We're tempted to bitterness. And the Bible warns us about that root of bitterness. And we're tempted to fail and to be discouraged and to crash and burn and to go get that pizza or that apple fritter or that porn site or whatever it is that we default to when we are weak. But the Lord says to declare, let the weak say, I am strong. It's a statement of faith. And there's nothing like being able to talk to somebody who understands you even when you can't put your words or your thoughts into words. Sometimes we need others to be strength for us. And the Bible says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard us. It's our umpire. It will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. So I love this poem. I have it written in my Bible. It's just a little saying, and it communicates a similar thought. And it's one we have to practice. It takes discipline to do this. Build a little fence of trust around today. Fill the space with loving deeds and therein stay. Look not through its protective bars upon tomorrow. God will help you bear what comes of joy or sorrow. Absolutely. You know, difficult times are going to come to everybody because there is sin. Life isn't easy or fair, but Jesus does tell us in this world when we have trials that we don't have to be afraid. Amen. God's transforming power to face the ups and downs of life is just remarkable. And learning trust is like learning to walk as a toddler. Trusting God changes every part of your life, attitudes, and actions, even if the circumstance does not change. So he also tells us to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world and he has come to heal the brokenhearted. What a beautiful thought that is. You know, when I lost my husband, Dane, people would speak to me sometimes, not intentionally, that carrying grief is something like they're going to help you get over the flu. But grief is not a disease. It is actually something that we carry. It's not cured. The Bible says of Jesus that he carries our griefs and our sorrows. And so it is something that we manage through life. Grief comes and we manage it and it enlarges our hearts. It makes us more able to participate with other people. It develops in us virtues that perhaps would not be manifest. Did we not experience those things? And only God can give us the courage to manage the grief of life in a way that builds instead of tears down. Yes, God shares that grief with us. Someday we'll share his throne because he suffered like we've suffered. And the scope of empathy and sympathy is huge. It's incredible. It says in all our afflictions, he is afflicted. He is not just a spectator. He uses these things to build us. And it's an inside job that goes far beyond psychological platitudes, sayings, and positive thinking and some kind of discipline. It's actually an inner transformation that leads to new strength, new desires, new attitudes, and actions. So we have to learn, and I am learning and have learned, and will continue to learn that God is good. That's what trust is. It believes that God is good, he means to do you good, and he will turn negative life experiences into blessings. This trust is 
the root joy of growth and peace. Yeah, and you know, Vicki, learning to see people like God sees them through the eyes of love to where you don't see evil and suspicion in people actually grows trust and peace in your own heart, too. It's huge. And what you are addressing is called an exposure effect. You buy a red car, all of a sudden, what do you see when you're on the road? Mm -hmm, Every car is red. We are going to see what we expect, and we see what we're looking for. So whether it's healthy foods versus junk, whether it's being suspicious of others, critical of others, fault-finding of others, what we are looking for, we will find or surmise. We can create a scenario out of the most innocent words and actions. And I certainly have done this. I think all of the human race has. But when we look for the best in people, when we put the best construct on the words and actions of others, we invite their trust and we become an agent of healing if they have made a mistake. Absolutely. And you would live better having that trust broken occasionally, but still looking through the main at the beauty of God, at least his potential in other people, than living suspicious, distrustful, anxious lives. Well, that is so true. If you think the worst and the worst happens, you've suffered twice. Yeah. If you think the best and the worst happens, you've only suffered once. Yes. So it's a good mindset to develop, and it is a discipline. It's not automatic. But in the Bible, Christ is represented as love despised, love rejected, love crucified, all to redeem man from this very curse that we suffer from naturally, and that is selfishness, rebellion, and sin. Charles Kalman said, you can trust the man who died for you. Amen. You know, we can also see love triumphant over death by the miracle of his resurrection. His name is the resurrection and the life. Love that restores human hearts after his image love that restores lost dominion, love that ultimately repairs the scar that sin has made in his perfect universe. So God invites us to give him a chance. The Bible says we're invited to trust. We can trust because God loves us. He started this thing going, and he asks us to take a baby step and see if he's true to who he says he is. Yes, amen. The death of Christ reveals that each one of us is unique, a child of God and of great value. You are made in God's image for a holy purpose. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God is merciful. The scriptures say the Lord God has mercy upon us. He's gracious and long-suffering. He's abounding in goodness and truth. But we've got to find that out. The Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, that's such a good point because the Bible teaches us that God is a personal God. He's a personal Savior, and His power and wisdom and justice and redeeming love can be implanted in our very hearts. Yes, and the devil's out to make sure we don't see Him the right way. So He makes certain that we understand that He is merciful. The Scripture says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty. So we continue to see this perfect balance in God that It's always love and truth combined so that we have function. We can actually get to a place where we aren't anxious and we trust. I saw a sign on a Baptist church that said, God has a dream, Satan has a nightmare, and you have a choice. Amen. And really, the scriptures tell us the story of of this freedom that we've been given, freedom to choose good or evil, showing us the results of these choices. So, you know, we have these opportunities to get to know God, to experience who he is to know him as a just and kind good, one that is consistent, merciful, and all these things. But he starts us out on on baby steps. He asks us to obey, take a step, see if he's faithful. 
And we discover in time, if we're obedient, that he is. Amen. God embodies every trait that we can trust, and you mentioned it, including justice. And because he is God, we can trust that someday, payday is coming, and everything will be made right. One author put it this way, we are to live only one day at a time. We do not have to do the work of a lifetime in a few hours. We need not look into the future with anxiety, for God has made it possible for us to be overcomers every day. So maybe someone out there listening recognizes they need the healing touch of God in their heart to be able to trust again. It's only when we have this love for God and trust in Him and for ourselves that we can truly love our neighbor. So this love is flowing from God to us, and that's how we can actually love others and bridge this gap of fear and insecurity. Taking a risk, knowing God's behind us, we can grow trust in others as God's growing it in us. Amen. You know, a sink full of dirty dishes can never get clean without turning on that faucet and letting the water flow. And our polluted natures and scarred lives need this overflowing, healing, transforming love. I'm asking myself, I'm asking our listeners, how about taking that choice of faith and opening your heart to receive his cleansing love? So friends, maybe today as you're listening, you realize you need to make some decisions, start making some healthy choices, surrounding yourself with a health-promoting environment, and being active in mind and body and relationship, trusting God. Today, that invitation is for you. We're inviting you to receive Jesus in a more complete and fully surrendered way so that you can have the first step of improving your human relationships as well. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Ron, for this program today. It's been a pleasure. 